Thank you very much. It's always delightful to be here. I want to thank uh, Wayne and Kathy for, on behalf of the young people, because it provides such an excellent opportunity uh, for them to get to know each other. Some of these uh, friendships will be there for a lifetime. Uh, particularly happy to see uh, Violette Racinos, a pediatric uh, neurosurgeon who uh, trained with us at Johns Hopkins and now is tearing up the world at the Cleveland Clinic. Wonderful. Uh, as all of these uh, young people will do. But also, I want to thank them on behalf of the old people uh, like me, because, you know, you get to know so many people. I remember the first time I went to the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner uh, several years ago as a guest of uh, Al Hunt uh, and Judy Woodruff. He was the chairman that year. And uh, he was going around to try to introduce me to people. Uh, but everybody he introduced me to, I already knew because from the academy, and uh, <laughs> and so he said, I I got him. So he's there's 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 the the crown prince of uh, United Arab Emirates. I know he won't know him. So he took me over there, and the crown prince says, Doctor, so good to see you again. He said, I give up. He said, I just why don't you introduce me to people? But uh, what a wonderful uh, you know venue for getting to know lots of people, but. I just want to talk a little bit about medicine. Uh, such a wonderful career. Anybody involved in medicine and, and the medical sciences. And I remember as an intern going into the, the wards at Johns Hopkins, and you would see all these people, uh, the CEO of this company, president of this organization, crown prince, queen of this country, in many cases dying of some horrible disease. And everyone would have given for a clean bill of health, they would have given every penny and every title. And you begin to realize how important your health is and how important your health care is. And really, that's, uh, that's the reason that, that I have spoken out about getting good health care for people. I was at the airport the other day. An African-American woman came and sat next to me, and she says, Doctor, I, I really like you. I admire you. I'm a Democrat, too. And uh, she says, but why don't you want poor people to have health care? And I said, another one listening to the propaganda. It's really just the opposite. Uh, you know, having grown up uh, very poor and seeing the real dichotomy uh, in terms of health care uh, given to poor people, uh, versus people who had good insurance. Uh, it's something that bothers me very much. I'm very sensitive to it, uh, which is the reason that I don't like the way it was and I don't like the way it is now. I want something different. We see all these concierge practices springing up now. Um, and uh, the Affordable Care Act really hasn't addressed uh, this two tiers of medicine. Uh, so I would love to see a system in which we take the most important thing that a person has, which is their health care, and we put it in their own hands and in the hands of their uh, health care providers as opposed to in the hands of some bureaucrat somewhere. Uh, I remember a few months ago I, I said the VA scandal was a gift from God because it shows us what happens when we put layers and layers of bureaucrats between patients and health care providers. And, uh, of course, the media that doesn't like me said, Carson said, God wants veterans to die. I mean, it's, <laughs> I just find them pretty amusing, quite frankly. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, 
we do want it to be in our own hands, and, and that's why I've advocated for health savings accounts. Uh, in Singapore, they have something called medical savings accounts. They work very similarly. But it puts the care in the person's hands. They get to choose where they go, and it makes everybody of equal value. There's a variety of different ways to pay for it. Uh, for the indigent, we just use the same dollars that we use for Medicaid, and we distribute them into people's uh, medical or health savings accounts. Uh, it will cost us a lot less than we're paying now. It gets a lot of the bureaucracy out of the system. But, but more importantly, it brings the whole medical system into the free market uh, economy. And that's what controls price, and that's what controls quality. You know, as long as uh, you know, this costs you know, 10 times more than this, but it doesn't come out of your hide, you don't care, well, you're gonna, it doesn't matter which one you go to. You're never going to get any control that way. And you're not going to get the same kind of quality that way. So it really is something to deal with. And uh, something that I've been working with with a number of people. And uh, you know, this is not to say that, that the people who, who tried to reform healthcare are bad people. But you know, it's sort of symptomatic of many of the things that are going on in our country right now. I was talking to a high administration official just before the ACA was passed, and I said, there's a lot of things in here that I agree with, a lot of things that I think a lot of people would agree with that we need to do. And uh, why don't we take those things and make them the foundation of health care reform? You'll have bipartisan agreement, and then we just build on that together for something that affects everybody. I said, if you try to push it through, uh, with one party, what unanimous disagreement by the other party, all you're going to get is rancor uh, for many, many years to come. And he said, you're probably right, but this is Washington, and this is politics. Well, you know, that's the very problem. We take things that really should not be political, and we put them in the political sphere. And we should be looking at solutions uh, for problems that affect all of us. And I think that uh, we, we need to help the American people recognize that, that we're not each other's enemies. And, you know, we've, we've allowed so much dissension uh, and, and so much hatred and, uh, and name-calling. Uh, it, it, I mean, it really disturbs me. Uh, and I don't think that we can really make much progress as long as we continue to call people names. Uh, you know, people who, who are pro-life are said to be anti-woman. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, white people who disagree with progressive black people are racist. Uh, black people who disagree with progressives are crazy. I mean, it just goes on and on and on without people actually stopping and having a conversation about what the actual issue is. And it really is okay for people to to disagree. Uh, but that doesn't need to make them into enemies. You can learn a lot more from somebody you disagree with than somebody who agrees with you on everything. And that's how you really are able to make progress. But um, I always say that if two people agree about everything, one of them isn't necessary. And uh, everybody is necessary, so we really need to get over that. The other thing to keep in mind, particularly young people, is you know, when you go against the grain, uh, you will get opposition, but don't let that stop you. You know, I remember uh, many years ago, 
uh, achondroplastic dwarfs, the most common form of dwarfism, about 7% of them would die in infancy. And it was because their brainstem was being compressed by bone at the base of the skull. And when surgeons would try to go in and decompress it, it would put more pressure on it, and there were a lot of complications. And I remember at the first international conference on human achondroplasia, I, after the world geneticists had spoken, I got up to speak, and I talked about a new technique we had developed for doing this. And they were just outraged. They said, you surgeons are the ones who cause these problems. If you just left them alone, only 7% would die. You think you can do everything? They were just so angry. And uh, you know, I came back to Hopkins, and I was continued to do the procedure. And people were complaining to the dean and the president of the hospital, the Maryland Medical Association, the AMA. Uh, but by that time, I had done enough cases to reveal the data to show that not a single one of those patients had died and uh, weren't having any major complications. And that's the good thing about science and medicine. Evidence actually matters, uh, whereas in politics it doesn't. But uh, it, it, it's, it's one of the things that I think you always have to recognize is that no matter what, when you go against the grain, you're going to get resistance. If you go along to get along, no problem. People will just be very happy with you, call you wonderful names, but you're not going to make any progress. So there's always going to be friction. But in the long run, I think you just have to be persistent. And you've heard this from, from some other people today, and it's absolutely true. One simply has to be very, very persistent with the way that they go about doing things. And recognize that in this room, there is an enormous amount of talent, an enormous amount of intellect. And if we don't fall for the, you're my enemy, I'm going to get in this corner, I'm going to throw hand grenades at you. But instead, we decide that we're going to be able to discuss things, actually discuss what your rationale is for what you believe with somebody you disagree with. That's the way that you make progress. And you will never make progress if everybody agrees with you. You'll never make progress if everybody disagrees with you. But when we get together and we begin to talk to each other with intellect, I believe we can solve virtually every problem we have. Thank you.